So the title of this um, message today is by faith, and you fill in your you fill in the blank with your name. By faith. So one of the things you have to um, one of the things you have to do when you talk about faith is you have to talk about what faith really is. Okay, because a lot of times people have a misconception of what faith is. And faith is not something that we use to move God. It's not something that we, if we have enough faith or we've, we've prayed enough or we've done this enough that God will finally do what he's promised to do. That's not what faith is. Faith is actually a lot better than that. Real faith is a positive response to what God has already done through Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection. That everything that we need by faith is provided for by what Jesus has provided on the cross. That means that if you, if you need provision in your life, it comes by you having a positive response to what God has already provided. God has already provided provision. He has supplied our need in Christ, in His riches and glory. He's already done it, but we have to have a positive response and believe that that's who God says He is and that He's already done it for us. And sometimes that positive response, it looks like in the... Just in the example of provision, it looks like you giving away your money. <laughs> you know, which doesn't make sense why we would do that, but it's because it's a response and a, a, a response of trust and that God is our provider, that God provides for our needs. It's not working the, a system that if we give enough, then God will do his part. Our generosity, when it comes to that area of faith, is a positive response to what God has already done. And so in everything, we ought to be generous. We ought to have exercise generosity. But here's the thing about having a positive response to faith, is we need some paradigm shifts. Y'all know what a paradigm shift is? Well, I have a definition for you. A paradigm shift is an important change that happens when the usual way of thinking about or doing something is replaced by a new and different way. Say, I need a paradigm shift. Okay? So, like, if you were to learn how to drive in another country because we're very, a lot of us are accustomed to driving, and you're having to learn how to drive on the opposite side of the road, that could be a paradigm shift, right? It's doing something that doesn't come natural to you and doing it a different way. That's why there's a lot of wrecks, <laughs> you know? And so there's paradigm shifts in our lives, and there's patterns of ways of thinking Man, if we can break those, our whole lives can change. Like every, I can, I can look at every surmountable 
and big change that's happened in my life because that's what we want, right? We want, we want transformation. We want to change our inner world to reflect the truth about who God is and who God says that we are, right? That's the reality. As believers, as born-again sons and daughters of the kingdom, our desire should be transformation. Transformation comes by how? By the renewing of our mind. We know that. Paradigm shifts are these, these incremental shifts in our, the way that we think that have l- big, big loads, dump truck loads of change that can happen just like that. But our heart is involved in that. And so we, a par- we need some paradigm shifts in our life to learn how to positively respond to faith, to grace, to what God has already provided. So faith is our response to what God has done. That's our part. Grace is God, what everything that God has provided, everything. And so you can't, you have to have, they have to be mixed together. You can't have faith alone and you can't have grace alone, right? You have to have them together. They have to be in balance. It's like sodium and chloride. Do you know what happens if you just have sodium? If you just drink sodium, you can die. You have to mix the two together. And so faith alone is dangerous. Grace alone is dangerous. They have to be and connection. They have to be in balance to work. So here's the thing about making paradigm shifts, though. They're uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable change. So um, I have this little phrase, to hobbit or not to hobbit. Do y'all know what a hobbit is? Do y'all know what a hobbit is? No? I'm going to school you on some Lord of the Rings. <laughs> A hobbit is a mythical creature, okay? Now you're going to go home and watch, like, uh, The Hobbit or something. Uh, is a mythical creature that's small and tiny and lives in, a, in the country, and there's a group of people, and they're known for being unadventurous, and they're known for eating, merry, e- eating drinking, and being merry. That's what... And not ever facing any danger, never going outside of their comfort zone. It's a hobbit, right? But if you know the story of the hobbit, it's a great story, is that one of the hobbits is called to basically, in a sense, save the world, right? He's called to leave away his place and do things that he never thought he would do. And it was challenging, and it was uncomfortable, and it was fearful. And he's, if you watch the movie or read the book, he's constantly complaining about this, and he's negative about this. But he had to, ha- he had to experience some paradigm shifts in the way that he viewed the world. See, we're so afraid, we're so afraid of stepping out into what God has called us to do sometimes that that we, we, we settle for things that we should never settle for. When there's a world of adventure and there's a world 
that is full of opportunity that God has placed before us. And, you know, I said it before, it doesn't have to be in the Himalayan mountains of Nepal. It doesn't have to be under the canopy, African canopy, you know, under the Milky Way stars. It doesn't have to be, like we get these, we allude to these ideas of venture and thinks it has to be in these exotic, crazy locations, but adventure can happen right out your front door. I mean, we have the living God on the inside of us that is, he, Jesus was incredibly adventurous. Like, man, I think he just carried that spirit of adventure. And I think what Jesus did more than anything was inspire people to step out and, and step into what God had called them to do. So to hobbit or not to hobbit? You choose. Which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to hobbit or not to hobbit? So a life of significance is an adventure. Like we are all called to have a life of significance, a life that has value, a life that's not only valuable but a life that is bringing value to others. Like we're supposed to we're supposed to be as those that believe in the name of Jesus that have been changed from the inside out that we're new creations that our life is is significant. Our life is significant. I mean we are purchased redeemed, bought from the power of another. I mean, in a sense, your life looked like Joseph that was thrown into the pit. You were cast away by your own family. And you were put into slavery. You know, Joseph was was bare and, and, and naked when he was pulled out of that pit. And it says that Joseph was a prosperous man. You know that it says that. He had nothing. Joseph had a life of significance when he didn't have anything to his name. Because Joseph knew who his God was. Joseph was convinced that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, that God was faithful to his word. God gave Joseph a dream. And God has placed a dream on each and every one of us. It's a dream of significance. It's a dream that matters. It's a dream that is can see the Spirit of Christ within you fulfilling what God has promised to you. So there's, but there's some, I like to call them the mountain fears of adventure. Y'all want to know what the mountain fears of adventure is? These words are commonly used to describe adventure. Risk. That's part of the adventure is risk, is it not? It's the fear of failure or loss. Like, you want to step into adventure, you have to deal with the fear of risk. There's, there's, there's a chance. Like, we like to Google, 
all the information and see the statistics. We, we hear a lot of stats. We hear a lot of statistics before we ever make decisions that God has called us to make. You know, I shared earlier, you know, I remember somebody saying that it was like one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people trying to step out like in a, and do things in an entrepreneur way was the biggest stumbling block for people stepping out is the constant need for information. Like the constant need, and I'm, man, I'm so, I'm so guilty of this in my own life. It's like, I want to get all my ducks in a row. I want to, I want to, I want it all laid out before me, before I step into the unknown, before I step into making a decision that might cost me something, right? I mean, sometimes it's, it's just the cost of, literally, it's like some, a lot of times it's just the cost of our own self-inadequacies that we feel like, well, they might, they might say something or they might think of me this way, you know? We're afraid to take risk because of the fear, the fear of men sometimes, the fear of what people think. Another one is the fear of the unknown, the fear of not knowing, the fear of not having the facts. Like We like facts, don't we? <laughs> you know, um, one of the things, you know, I, I always share a lot is uh, something I really was super into. It was like, my, my dad knows, is, is caving. Like I was, that was my life, was going underground and exploring all these different places. You know, and what makes a good caver or a good explorer is somebody who's not afraid of the unknown. Let me tell you, you cannot explore what God has before you if you're scared of the unknown. You can't. And you're missing out on what God has for you. Like I remember early on in my days of, because the places that I would go were very, I mean, very large. I mean, to the point there was, I think the longest I spent underground was 26 hours one time. And so there's a lot of space to explore. And you can't, you can't really tap into all of it all in, in one trip. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a journey. It's an exp exploration. But when I first started going, I used to be so afraid to go into the next room. Or, or there would be like, there would be this small, what they call, like in this first cave I started going to, it's called the worm tube. <laughs> so you guess what you had to do? You had to, you had to worm. And it was like this long tube. And I remember the first time I saw the worm tube. I'm like, I'm not going, <laughs> I'm not crawling into that worm tube. I don't know where that thing goes. But if once you got through the worm tube, it 
opened you up into a room that's called the, um, the echo room. And it was the largest chamber in the entire cave. And it was awesome. And it was really cool and beautiful. And you're just in this, I mean, you got 100 plus foot ceilings in this large room that your light can't reach the end of the walls. I mean, it's big. And all that was stopping me was from going through that worm tube. We each of us have worm tubes in our life, things that we're afraid to get on, get on, our, get on our bellies and crawl, army crawl through. But if you want to experience, like, if you want to tap into and have a positive response to what God has already provided through Jesus' cross, through Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you got to have a positive response to what he's already done. And you got to step out and you got to take some risk. And you got to step into the unknown. Like I said, you don't have to be in some remote, crazy location in life to do this. You can do it the moment that you step out of your door. Like, there's an opportunity for us to step into what God has called us to do. And I'm telling you, like, when I learned to not be afraid of the unknown, like, when I learned how to be a true explorer, I don't know why I did air quotes, but okay. <laughs> when, I, when I adapted, like, my thinking and my way of, like, this is what you do. This is, and it became so exciting. It became so thrilling to, to think about what's around the next corner. It could be something amazing and awesome. And there would be places that I would discover, places that would be rooms that would be called like um, Angel's Paradise, a place filled with crystals from from walls to floors to every inch of the room covered in grass-like crystals growing the called gypsum. And to define these places, you had to step into the unknown. You couldn't be afraid of it. And here's the funny thing. These places are in, I like to think of it, they're in your backyard. It's in North Georgia, two hours, three-hour drive. Would have never guessed. Most people don't have a clue what's right beneath them. Right beneath your feet is a, is a world of adventure, is a world of truth that God has promised to each and every one of us. Like This is a call to action. <laughs> a call to step into an adventure that God has. Like, Christianity is not boring, people. <laughs> Christianity can be fun, can be exciting. But it's to have it or not to have it. Right. Yeah? So these fears, the, the fear of risk and the fear of unknown, it's what I like to call paralyzing faith. When you let fear of risk and the fear of the unknown rule your life, and really, when you're letting something rule in your life, it has what? An authority. 
when God's word ought to be our authority and our truth in our life, we let fear be the authority of how we make decisions. And so when you let the fear of stepping into the unknown, going through that worm tube, when you're afraid of the fear of failure or the fear of loss or the fear of what people think, your faith is paralyzed. The very thing that God has equipped you and God has given you the faith of the Son of God. It says, for I am crucified with Christ. And it says that we live by the faith of the Son of God. The faith that we live by is not our own faith. It's the faith that's of Him. It's the faith that He carried. And I like to think there's this, people will say this, blind faith. Like, there's no such thing as real blind faith. The only blind faith is a faith that doesn't have any confidence in the character of God. That's the truth. Because if you have faith in the character of God, if you're resting in who He says He is, you can actually see better than the person that can see with natural eyes. You can actually have better vision when you're resting in the character of God. You can actually see what's before you better than you can without Google. Real faith sees. Real faith is not blind. So faith is not a matter of have or have not. You have faith. You're either using it or you're not using it. It's either working for you or against you. So it's, what is faith? Faith is trust. Faith is confidence. And so a lot of times we place our faith in things that are negative. We place our faith in the wrong things. Meaning we put our trust and our confidence, and other things. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, hope is a confident expectation. Hope is confident. Hope is not wishful thinking. Romans 5.5 says that hope does not disappoint. Hope never disappoints, for the love of God has been shed abroad. That's what hope does. Hope does never disappoints. And so in order to have hope, a lot of people want hope without having faith. See, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't have hope if, you're not, if you don't have the substance that makes up hope. We're, we're, we have Christianities, a lot of people looking for hope without putting a positive response into what God has already done. One of the most detrimental things about that truth is a lot of people are, think that have the, a belief that God is in control of everything that happens. That's not the truth. God has leased this planet and given dominion and authority to us. And God has empowered us to affect the world. If we're waiting on God to do something, we're going to be waiting around our whole lives. And then we're going to get hope, to have the hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
And as we're waiting, we're hoping for God to do something, and we never had a positive response to what He's already said He would do. I mean, that's the truth. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to myself. Your words are delivering you evidence. The words that you speak are delivering you evidence. Have you ever said something like this? That's just my luck. This always seems to happen to me. <sighs> I, said, I, use, I think I might be the first person to have said this. That a lot of people carry a dog poop outlook on life. <laughs> I said dog poop. I did. <clears throat> what I mean by that is it's like this idea of when you step out the, the, your front door, and instead, instead of experience, uh, expecting an adventure and expecting for God to be who he says that he is, you expect to step in a big pile of dog poop. <laughs> and you carry this kind of, you carry this, you know, you carry this overburdening mentality in your thoughts and your thinking, and you carry this on to your to your coworkers and to your family and to your friends. But man, God has promised a lot more than dog poop. <laughs> God has promised us a life of abundance. Amen. Like we shouldn't carry that outlook on life. Jesus had this to say. Did that wake you guys up? <laughs> dog poop. <laughs> Matthew 15. We can have fun in church, can't we? Matthew 15, 11 says this. Jesus said this. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Matthew 15, 17 through 18. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? You're like, duh, Jesus, know that. But he says, this is the, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. That word defile means to be Levitically unclean. Like he's preaching, he's talking to Pharisees, people that are, who work the system, they work the law, they do all the things that they need to do, and they think, well, if I'm abstaining from this food, if I'm abstaining from this practice or this, I'm clean. Jesus is saying, no, you're not. Because what's in your heart, I can tell by the words coming out of your mouth, those words are defiling you. Now the truth is, those of us who are born again, we're, we're purchased, we're clean, we're holy, we're, we're the righteousness of God, but it's almost as if our words are, are, are putting like a form of pollution over what's true. So there's, I wanted to talk about these cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is like a faith chapter of all the people. By faith, they did this. By faith, they had a positive response and what God had already promised. So I want to remove what I call the veggie tales effect. Like we read these stories and we have like a VeggieTales effect. Like we have like a VeggieTales lens. Like 
You know what I mean? Like we lose the significance of the stories, like how crazy the things that they did. Like we, you know, we see cucumbers and tomatoes and, you know, it's not that. It's better than that. So by faith, Noah. So there's by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah. By faith, Noah built a boat, supposedly when it had never rained. And it's estimated that he spent like 50 to 100 years building a boat. How many of you want to spend 50 or 100 years building a boat? (laughs) I mean, every day, that's your life, building a boat. That had to, you had to have, that was a call of action that he put trust in what God said was going to happen. The crazy thing is, what if he built this boat and it never rained? That's crazy faith. Noah building a boat. Abraham. This is crazy. He took his family, his loved ones, into an unknown land. Like, I think of like, you know, um, here's a cool little interesting history fact. George Washington, you know, he was a land navigator uh, before the Revolutionary War. He was a scout that actually navigated the land, and he helped make a lot of the early maps. Well, what were those territories filled with? Unknown and Indians. Very hostile environment to be exploring. And Abraham, no different in his day, I'm sure the land was littered with all sorts of evil and enemies. And God said, I want you to go. And it says this even, it says this in Hebrews 11.9. It says, we went out not knowing where we, where he went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't know. He didn't have Google Maps. He didn't have the security of where he was going. He left the security of his family. Could you imagine the conversations he had with his wife? Yeah. Um, Abraham, (laughs) where are we going? I don't know. We're just going. (laughs) We're going to leave everything that we know? Yeah, that's what we're doing. Are you sure? Yes, that's, that's what God said. Okay, Abraham. All right. And then Sarah, she conceived a child at the age of 90. Like, holy moly. What would doctors have said? <laughs> well, would they have been on board with, um, Sarah, you're pregnant. I know you're 90, but, uh, you know, no. They would have given a list of statistics and numbers. Well, da 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 But God is bigger than statistics and numbers. I'm not saying don't listen to doctors. It's not what I'm saying. But believe God. Talk quickly about this guy, Arthur Blessett. Have y'all heard the name of Arthur Blessett? Um, I just wrote a, he's kind of, to me, he's like a modern day uh, faith example, right? So if you want to put up that slide, the Arthur Blessett. So Arthur Blessett is known for the longest walk. He has the Guinness Book 
world records for the longest walk. 51 years, this is current. He's been walking the earth, not just walking, but carrying a cross, like a large cross over him, okay? There's a movie, if you want to learn more about him, it's called The Cross. It's awesome. It makes me cry every time. Um, he's walked over 42,000 miles in 324 countries, island groups, and territories. That's amazing, right? Um, 85.5 million steps. I wonder if he had like uh, one of those things that calculated steps. Yeah. 19 billion pounds carried, sharing Jesus, the cross, and the gospel message. It, I think I've left out, does it say war groups, like territories? Like he had also traveled in like some ridiculous amount of like war territories, like in the middle of war with the cross. Because that's what God told him to do. He didn't, he didn't worry about all the things that was going. He just did what God told him to do. And he had this statement in the movie. He said, the safest place for me to be is in, in the direct will of God. All the time we're, we're trying to escape the fear of failure or the fear of loss or the fear of the unknown. And the actual, the safest place for you to be is step right into it. Right into it. Even for his story, he was preaching at this place called Sunset Boulevard, out I think in, in, um, in Los Angeles. And he had this idea of traveling. It wasn't traveling the world. At this point, it was just going across the country with the cross. And so he had this dream, and he's like, okay, right before I'm going to leave and start my journey once Chris, after, the day after Christmas. Well, what happens to him is he has a brain aneurysm, and he, and he, and he you know, loses consciousness, and he, finds, he wakes up, and he's in the hospital. And they, and they basically give him a, di a really bad diagnosis that he, he's not going to, he's not, I think it was, the diagnosis was something about his life being, you know, he wasn't going to live very long. Well, Arthur, blessed by faith, by confidence in what the character of God, he's like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not staying here. I'm not staying in this hospital. What I'm doing is doing what God called me to do. That looks, to the world, that looks irrational, looks extremely risky, extremely dangerous. But he was confident in what God had told him to do, the dream and the adventure that God had put in his heart. And he never struggled with that. He just started walking. The first week or two was hard for him. But eventually, the healing that, he, that happened in his life was just noticed one day. It's not something that he worked for. Not something he made happen. He just stepped into the will of God that, had, that God had before him. So by faith, Peter walked on water. And so by faith, your positive response is a byproduct of you looking at who? Jesus. Like that's how your faith works. 
looking at Jesus. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. That's how faith works. Like if your heart is not involved, <laughs> like if you're just reading to, because that's what you do as a Christian, or you're just praying because that's what you're supposed to do, but your heart is not involved, like there's not, there's not, a, there's not an element of, of thankfulness and gratitude and just where your heart is just connected to that love. See, that's, that's what transformed my life. And that's how I know that faith works by love is because when I experienced the love of God, I was delivered from, I was delivered from meth. I was delivered from all sorts of addiction. I was delivered from a, a life with zero purpose, without a life with no meaning. And when I experienced the love of God, it's like a dream exploded on the inside of me. And nothing, just like Joseph, nothing had changed. I didn't have anything that I could really call of my own. But what happened is I knew that God was for me. I knew that he had a plan for my life. I knew that he wasn't mad at me. I knew that he loved me right where I was. And because of that love, man, that love, it, it's like a, it's, it, kindles, it kindles fire. It kindles dreams. It kindles trust. It kindles faith. And when the love of God breathes on the embers of your heart and when you're convinced of it, things start to happen. And it's not because God hasn't been doing anything but it's because your heart is in a place that where it's fully confident in what God has said he will do. So how does faith work by love? God's love cast out fear. That's how faith, when you're able, the love of God is able to dismantle the fear in your life, the fear of risk, the fear of failure, the fear of the unknown, then faith will work. Faith will do what it's meant to do. Like you don't have to work it. It will do what it's created to do. 1 Corinthians 13, remember, says this. We can have the faith to move mountains. We can have the faith to speak in angelic tongues. We can have the faith to, to even burn at the stake for being a Christian. But without faith, without love, what? Profits nothing. And so we can have all the faith in the world to do all these things, but if we're not convinced of God's love, it profits us nothing at the end of the day. So just, like, do these fears or worries, they have a grip on your life? Convince yourself of God's love. Develop a soft heart towards God and a hard heart, a hard heart towards the devil. Like, we are incredibly sometimes, preaching to myself, too passively for the, for the works of the enemy. And like, that's not to get, like, super spiritual or anything, but we live in a world where there, are, are spiritual, there is spiritual war, warfare happening. Like, it's happening. It is happening. And we have grown... It's sad, but a lot of the... Christians have become 
soft towards the works of the enemy and hard towards God. But a soft heart towards God, a sensitive heart that's developed, and and it's developed through relationship, it sees it, it sees it sees Jesus. Like we don't have a seeing problem. We have a, a heart that needs to be developed and be sensitive. Like it's not a vision problem. Like we don't need to go to the eye doctor because we can't see Jesus. <laughs> we need to go to the heart, the heart doctor, which is the Holy Spirit. And he'll teach you how. So your adventure doesn't have to be, like I said, in the Himalayan mountains or under the Milky Way stars of an African canopy. Every day is an opportunity for an adventure. Like start living your adventure now. Walk out of this door and take a chance. Take a risk. Step into the unknown. There are plenty of opportunities to step out in faith if you're looking for them. If you're looking for them. If we're looking for it, we'll see it. Your adventure begins with the risk to love. Not just, not just any love, but God's, God's kind of love. Agape love. Unconditional. And the courage to step into the unknown. That's where your adventure begins. That's where your journey begins. By faith. You fill in your name. Like by faith, Courtney radically had intimacy with God and stepped into everything that God had called him to do. By faith, Courtney lived a life not ruled by fear. By faith, Courtney lived beyond worry. By faith, Courtney raised children that were radically in love with Jesus, that didn't let anything stop them from praying for those in need. By faith, how will your story unfold? Will our lives be an adventure? Or will our lives just be a nine-to-five job? There are plenty of opportunities. And this isn't an obligation This isn't like, oh, you have to do this to be a good Christian. This is an opportunity that is set before us to have joy, to have fulfillment, to have peace, and have. It's incredibly rewarding to have a positive response in what God has already provided. It's the most rewarding thing that we could ever experience in our life is to step out in faith, step out on water like Peter did. And we give Peter such a hard time because he, because he sunk. I'm thinking, Peter walked on water. <laughs> I mean, why do we give Peter such a hard time? He, he walked on water. Man, I don't care if I walk out in water and sink. At least I walked on water and I walked on water looking at him. That's it. Look at Jesus. Look at him. And when you look at him, your life will unfold into a a beautiful masterpiece. 
Stop beating yourself up. Stop telling yourself that you're not worthy of it, that you're not qualified, that you're not equipped. You're equipped for every good work. The fullness of Christ lives in you. And you're lacking nothing. You're complete to full, to overcrammed, overflowing. That's the truth. It's the truth. We have to believe it. We have to cling to it. We have to trust in it. We have to put weight on it. That's a positive response. A positive response. Not afraid of the fear of risk and the fear of the unknown. That's an adventure. So Lord, we just thank you. We thank you just for your rest. God, we just thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. God, we just thank you that we lack nothing. God, we just, right now, God, just, there is a fear in your heart. There is a fear that arises. What fears you? What do you dominantly think about that is fearful or worry? Okay? If you captured that, I want you to see Jesus on the cross, arms spread out, nailed to the cross, and I want you to see whatever that thing is that came to your heart, came to your mind, being put on him. Because that thing is a curse and it doesn't belong to you. And I want you to see yourself coming out with Jesus, the stone being rolled away, and you walking into a life that is different than it was before. Transformed. Changed. Buried with Him and raised with Him and new life. That is for you, for every circumstance, for every situation, for every pain, for every sorrow, on Him, on your behalf, so you could be free from it and be raised to new life with Him. And so, Lord, we thank You for that. We thank You. God, we thank You for that. That Your Word does not return void. We thank You that it does what it was sent to do. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.